0: instead. Hello internet. I'm
1: Matthew Darraghish. And you're listening to The Untold Talks of Spider-Man, a podcast about deep cuts, forgotten classics, and what it truly means to be a Spider-Man story. Matt, what are we talking about
0: today? The story is The Last Shoot which is Spider Man's Tangled Web number fourteen, penned by Brian Azarello and Scott Levy, um, art by Giuseppe Camamoli? Giuseppe Camacoli, come on, man! <laughs> All right, with colors and letters and ink, so my Steve, Bachel- uh, Steve Bachelato?
1: Bachelato, from Colors. I swear, we're gonna have to learn Italian. <laughs> Just so we stop butchering these people's names. <laughs> Steve Bucilato on colors and um Comicraft's Jimmy on letters. No last name, just the mononym Jimmy, you know. And um, of
0: course, Joe Quesada as uh, chief of Marvel. All right. <laughs>
1: Uh, Editor-in-Chief Axel Alonzo as regular editor and Bill Jameis as president. Because, you know, it's 2002 when I was 12
0: years old. And I wasn't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right. So this one, if you're interested in picking it up, is available on Comixology for two whole clams. Uh, we're going back to our mollusk-based uh, economy system, like like last episode. Uh, it is available on Marvel Unlimited. Uh, as far as the individual issues, you can find them dirt cheap. It's just like any of these other uh tangled web stories. They're, they're a little hard to find because it was a low print, print run, but they're not expensive if you do find them. And that's reflected on the online prices as well. You could probably even find this in the quarter bin if your store has a quarter bin outside of the dollar bin. Um, and then if you want to get this in trade, you can get the whole trade on Amazon also dirt cheap, just a few bucks. And if you're, if you're a big fan of these, like, Weird side stories that are that are kind of focused on the edges of the Spider Verse, so to speak. Uh, I highly recommend. You know, I, uh, we've done this. Will be our fourth story from Tangled Web, and I mean, it's quite apparent that you and I both love this series. So right, and to
0: just kind of move into this, this is my favorite issue of Tangled Web hands down. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, let's talk through this one because a- as much as I enjoy it, it's not maybe as dense as a lot of other books that we've covered on the show yet. Right.
1: It's yeah, it's 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 a it's a light and breezy read. Uh very uplifting, not depressing at all. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, the, the basic rundown for this is that Crusher Hogan, you know, he's doing his wrestling thing and we establish him as a shooter. And basically, and th- this comic does use a, a, a few wrestling terms and I'll, I'll break them down because I've read Wikipedia before. Um, th- this one uh, establishes Crusher Hogan as a shooter who is a wrestler who is... Very proficient in wrestling and instead of scripting perhaps like an outcome, he kind of goes in there and just wrestles and however, you know, whatever happens, happens. Um, so he, he's, he's more technical and he's, so he's, he's a wrestler in this wrestling company and they're basically in dire straits and that that that's kind of where that, that's the the foundation for this comic is that that Crusher Hogan is a fantastic technical wrestler and he's wrestling for a company that's really struggling against the a bigger flashier kind of more gimmick based wrestling company
0: right which is interesting. One note that I really enjoy about this issue is that you could try to kind of guess an era, but it's presented in a way that's fairly timeless. Like there's no real technical indicators or a little little blip that says, oh, this has to be in a certain decade, really. So I I think that helps this issue play through, even though ultimately we're going to kind of have a moment at the end that's going to say this has to be a while back
1: right i mean the the art in this definitely screams like you know 2002 um as far as the presentation and the way it's the way it's drawn but you're right. This this one doesn't necessarily have a particular period attached to it outside of maybe some of the clothes worn
0: um, in the few scenes we see of people outside of the wrestling attire. Oh, and that's one thing that's pretty crazy. Like you were saying, uh, Crusher just wrestles and he doesn't have Flash. Like even other wrestlers in his little league, which is supposed to be the kind of pure wrestling that isn't bringing in the fans. All the other people he works with have kind of like a unitar or something he just has wrapped fists and black pants and boots like it's basic you call him a boy crusher hogan basic (laughs) (laughs) not to his face not to his face. Timeless. How about that?
1: Right. And, and so, you know, we get kind of the, I don't want to say, call it a cliche, but the, the stock, maybe, you know, a different word for cliche. The, the stock setup of, you know, the, the, the struggling wrestling company. And, you know, he, he speaks, Hogan goes in there and speaks with his manager who talks about, you know, we, we can't really do payroll again because I, you know, We didn't make enough money to pay people. And, and so despite Crusher Hogan and through his monologue and through what we see, what we see and some information about him being headhunted by this much more, uh, successful wrestling company, um, you know, despite Hogan's skill and talent, he's still loyal to this, uh, this company he's with, Championship. And and so we we start to flesh out the character of Crusher Hogan in a way that we have not seen in the previous two comics that we've done. Uh, you know, we we see a little bit of, of that personality in whatever happened to Crusher Hogan, but it's more of the aftermath, what whatever whatever happened to what's left of Crusher Hogan. And this this is more of who he was as a person before the incident, uh, so
0: we can say. And I, I wanna back up to that meeting, because his boss Bobby is pretty flat with him he he's he says he appreciates the loyalty but loyalty doesn't pay anymore and he tells him to go to the other company like you have to take care of your family you have other responsibilities you should go we need to fold because we can't make it anymore and he's pretty flat out but i mean it's also like he's a businessman he's not he's not a bad businessman i guess but like things aren't working and he's willing to just kind of close shop like there's something so kind of like clean about that without there being this wrinkle where it could have been kind of villainous intent or whatever Mm -hmm. but then um from there hogan goes and stews and has this kind of uh argument with his wife that's heated but not like dangerous so yeah you get the sense that him and his wife are having some problems all based on the fact that he's not bringing in what he needs to bring in but like they're not it could have gone another way you know what i mean like this could have very easily it's Sorry, go ahead.
1: Yeah, no, no, you're right. I mean, it's a it's a heated argument. They they yell at each other. They insult each other. Hogan eventually throw, you know, you know, throws a glass uh, a glass across the room and scares her, and then tells her to go back to bed. Um, and and so like it, it it's interesting because it paints. And it's an unflattering picture to paint the protagonist of this comic and and kind of, especially when juxtaposed over the scene before he, he's shown as incredibly noble in self-sacrificing and that like, no, I'm not going to go and do this lucrative job here because I am loyal to you, to you people, even in the face of you telling me like, no, we, we completely understand, like go, go make money. And, and so, and, it, it it works, it, you know. It shows kind of a, a complex person rather than a cardboard cutout of of good or a cardboard cutout of evil. And I I think that's indicative of a, of a lot of comics of this era where we start not necessarily like going into the grim grim dark edgy territories of the nineties, but more kind of fleshing out characters and seeing
0: you know who they are as as people. It's really to get dark. It doesn't go over the edge though, which... Mm -hmm. is what i was saying yes and so i appreciated that also in that scene where he gets in the argument with his wife i also kind of realized like this wrestling uh, what do you call it company crew Mm -hmm. troop troop sure that sounds wrong but okay um whether or not they fight through or not hinges on crusher he's the one with the power in the situation and for that he feels responsible not just for himself but everyone he works with oh
1: are you saying that he has great power, and so he feels an obligation, a great
0: responsibility. Exactly. <laughs> exactly and so from there he he devises a scheme a a little marketing ploy to shift things up connect with the audience in a very different way which i think is cool because it sells it as this marketing ploy but on the other hand like when you see them go through the steps of it you're like yeah i could see that working i could see that making attention you know like it just works Mm -hmm. so so you're kind of talking
1: around it a little bit but so after the this this fight with his with his wife he kind of ruminates a little bit and then realizes that um you know he can he can figure out a gimmick uh which is what he doesn't want to do when he goes over to the the global the, the successful wrestling company because he says they're all gimmicks i don't have a gimmick my gimmick is that i'm a wrestler you know and like i won't succeed over there and so he kind of realizes well i can turn that
0: into a gimmick i can turn that into a thing And, and so it's, it's a good moment, right? It's a good moment that leads him into a meeting with Hammerhead, Hammerhead to get some capital to make this venture work. Mm
1: -hmm. Well, I I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah. Right before that, we, we show him wrestling again and he does, he does a full, Heel turn, which you know, another wrestling term, uh just basically means that he is the bad guy and he starts playing up the bad guy. He antagonizes the audience, and we get this this great monologue, internal monologue while while he does that, and it's uh you know, it's I'm not good at talking to the audience. Like I, you know, when I sell something, I i sell my moves. I, I you know, I don't sell a personality. And so it's it's he goes out of his comfort and 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 what he says, what he says is, I gotta disrespect the sport. I gotta disrespect all the boys in the back, meaning the other wrestlers, and most important, I gotta, i got to disrespect the fans. I gotta shoot on the fans. So, it, mm-hmm. it once again, yeah, yeah, once again, kind of plays into that idea
0: of i lost my train of thought well all this is to build into what is hinges and that's if you can last three minutes in the ring with me we pay out um Mm Was it three thousand?
1: I don't think they they name the amount in this. No, it was ten thousand. They do. It's ten thousand. Uh, you and he has to borrow this money from Hammerhead. Mm -hmm. Uh, and you know, assures him that you know he's gonna get the money back because Crusher Hogan's whole thing is that he's a fantastic wrestler. And for and you know, and then we we get a montage of him just beating person after person. And you know, and then so we uh, once again have that monologue that says that, uh, you know, realizing like, hey, we could take this show on the road. This is really successful. We sold out this venue and we're making money hand over fist. And, and, you know, people can think they as long as people think they can beat me, this is going to work. But they can't because what I do is wrestle and I wrestle for real. And, you know, if I continue to play up the heel and play up the villain, it's just going to continue to rile up more and more people and more and more people. You know, just regular Joes are going to come up
0: and try to take me down. Right. And part of that, to what you're saying, though, I, which is more or less what you're saying, is like, mm-hmm. you could see it right there. Like, everybody in the room hates him. Except for Hammerhead, because he's making money. <laughs> but, uh yeah, no, it's a, it's a hell of a thing. And it, it's a hell of an idea of this big comeuppance. Mm-hmm. I, I mean... The, so then you get to that moment.
1: Yeah, you, then you get to the last page. Which can we like? Can we just talk about how effective this is as a splash page? Like, I'm I'm normally one like a person who kind of complains about the last page you turn and it's a big, you know, twist splash page, but. This moment is so triumphant leading up to this of, of Hogan. Like, his idea worked. He's got the money. He's got the butts in the seat to pay back Hammerhead, the 10,000 plus the 15% on top of, on top of it. And everything's working. And, and what he says is that, like, uh, you know, I'm their worst nightmare. Like, and, and it's just, everything's working and then you turn and then like you turn the page and you just see a guy with like you know pantyhose on his head leaping into the ring in just such an like inhuman way like just it's and you know clearly it's it's peter parker and you you know what's gonna happen and it's it's such what i'm with you except for the inhuman part that's just how you do a vault I mean, he, but he's so high
0: over the ring,
1: like so high over the ropes.
0: It's a little bit of that parkour luck.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. But yeah, anyway. um, And it's just, it's such an effective scene because it just, it's, it's a gut punch. You know, it it takes the wind. At, like, oh, oh yeah, it, no. It's, it's a perfect it's, it's, frame. It's, yeah, it's a perfect frame. It's so well rendered. You have, um, you have... Like, it, th- the way you've got the camera, so to speak, behind Crusher, who is, uh, like, obscured in kind of like a Kuruskura, uh, lighting scheme, so low key, so he's, like, obscured in shadows. And the brightest thing on the panel, which is also what your eye shoots for because it's, it's relatively in the center of the frame is just a, is Spider-Man with these like bright blue pants and like a stark white shirt against a black background. And it's just, oh my gosh, it's such a great image. And not to not to just run past this, but since we're talking about the art, um, you know, Giuseppe Camicoli is someone who we should be familiar with as Spider-Man readers. I mean, he was the primary artist for uh, volume four. He was on regularly in rotation with Ramos during uh, Big Time and volume three, if I recall correctly. He looks completely different. Uh, on here and I think part of that is that I think he inked this himself and uh cam Smith was the one inking when he was on volume four and and of course there's also a different colorist but uh how, how did you how did you feel about the art here?
0: i i feel like the art in this comic is really interesting because this wouldn't work for a normal spider-man comic i don't think but i i know it's a different guy but i mean this feels like a brian nazarello comic to me like a issue of 100 bullets or something like this would fit in more that kind of like hard-boiled universe that kind of area and then at the end to have spider-man kind of jump in Mm -hmm. it's an interesting comparison point for a number of reasons but it's it's funny, too, because it's such an impact, but literally his only presence in the comic is him jumping over the rope here. Like, that's it. And that's all you need. Because you know, you know where this is. You know where this goes. And that's one thing that I love is they know anybody reading this knows that story. So they can just leave it.
1: So I got a question for you. Uh, At what point did you realize that we were we were coming right up at the end of the... um of the Crusher Hogan story like at what point did you realize basically like oh this is this
0: is where Spider-Man comes in you know I'm going to say this. This is something I read digitally and I'm glad Mm -hmm. I did because I didn't have the weight of the comic in my hands. I didn't know I was on the last page till I was on it. Mm -hmm. And so when it was there, it was suddenly just there and I was so lost in the story. I wasn't thinking about Spider-Man anymore. And then boom.
1: Yeah. No, I'm the same way for me. I, I read this one digitally and yeah, it was the same thing. It's, you know, I, I think, I think once, once we pulled up to the, um, to the event and you know saw him wrestling with other people i i kind of realized what was going to happen but like still it's still just a gut punch when you get to that get to that point um and i I don't it's it's just it's ah, it it is an emotional roller coaster
0: (laughs) yeah and again you know this isn't a happy ending but on the other hand you're kind of like well how else was it gonna end you know mm-hmm. um, it, it, to that I, i'm curious i linked in our notes here and i'm not sure if you went through it um i found a couple other reviews on this comic mm-hmm. and um the first one was on comics bulletin and one note that they made there i already kind of heard you talk to but i'm curious to hear you say a little more they say that like the ending here was kind of tragic because through this comic we learned that crusher is such a stand-up guy and i took some issue with that right
1: yeah i mean there's definitely some implication of maybe not domestic abuse so much but definitely some you know fierce arguments with with a spouse um and I think I think, you know, not to put words in their mouth or whatever, but I think what they're touching on is that this is framed as an underdog story. And, you know, underdog stories are incredibly, incredibly popular. They remain popular. They will forever remain popular in, you know, American entertainment. It's just it's something we identify as. And so when. We kind of subvert that underdog ending where he doesn't, you know, overcome the odds, where, where th- we have the opposite of a Deus Ex Machina, where God comes from the machine to destroy him. Um, you know, I I, th- I, mean, I, I, that's just what happened. Um, Spider Man
0: is a god, he just teaches
1: him to pee. <laughs> Oh man, we're gonna have to cover this. like I don't want to do a whole episode. Maybe a maybe a Patreon. Like, all right, guys, we're gonna sit down and talk about the time. Spider-Man taught the Beyonder how to poop. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um so your Wars 2, people. It happened. Um, so like I I think that is probably how I would see someone coming to that conclusion of oh, he's he's a stand-up guy. Well, he's a stand-up guy because he's pitted as an underdog, but Really, we kind of see a darker side of him because, and and the art, the art implies that the art. I mean, so so often he's his his visage is obscured in shadow, and you know we have got come and he's – so he draws those really deep eyes, so and it looks like everyone's you know in a two thousand five emo band with like just deep deep eye shadow, um, right. And, and liner. Yeah. And, and so I, you know, I would not agree with him being a stand up person. I think this, this comic shows that he is. L- He has redeeming
0: qualities, but he's also so one-note that he kind of is willing to destroy everything else around him. Exactly. In some ways, though, kind of like our guy, you know, so focused on his one thing Mm -hmm. that he's willing to let his relationships suffer and other things hang by the wayside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Another review I read was from a certain Spider fan uh, Mm -hmm. that was a question I wanted to ask you. Do you feel this vision of Crusher uh, matches with what we saw in our initial episode of this block of Crusher, you know, after the incident.
1: Well, it's it's hard to say, um, because we miss the most important part, which is the fallout. We miss the day after how that cha- Yeah, the day after and how that changes him and where he goes from there. Um, I I mean, like I could see this. I could see this happening where. Um,
0: <gasps> hm No, sorry, I haven't okay. thought.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah, I I mean, like I could see this just breaking him and, you know, and going one of two ways, just breaking him and he kind of retires and settles down and goes and, you know, becomes a goofy janitor or another way where, you know, it breaks him and that anger we saw earlier kind of transforms into something else. But without having any, any, connecting pieces between the middle, I think it's impossible to say if this one this matches what we've seen prior, because so much of the
0: puzzle is missing. That's fair. So really, we need to give Crusher one more day, and really make his art complete. <laughs> I mean, I'd read it. Yeah, I think. I think there's some venue there, and I think it'd be maybe an interesting way to bring Spider-Man to a different place, because, I mean, Spider-Man has this root in wrestling that makes sense for the character, and it's never really been back up or anything and i think it'd be kind of fun to maybe make that tie but that's a whole different thing (laughs) all right well any
1: any final notes on this one before we we uh call it reviewed or whatever we call our our talk about talked about
0: well, I don't know where this is going on our list, but I will say if you haven't, I highly recommend this issue. It's great and far and away it's my favorite issue of a comic that I've ever seen Brian Azzarello do, and I think he's done some amazing stuff, but this is a uh, standout.
1: Mm-hmm. And like I'll I'll echo myself again and say that, you know, the, the Tangled Web series as a whole is is untold, certified untold um it's very cheap and easy to grab. I would, I would recommend getting it. Uh, I, I realize we've been hitting it pretty hard these past few episodes. You know, we did the, the Christmas episode, the, the double shot, the last shoot, and I believe one other. Uh, now, now I'm, my memory's failing me. But, um, yeah, it's, I mean, and there are other stories I want to cover in here. Uh, Flowers for Rhino is another, Great story from uh, Tangled Web. But uh, anyway, anyway, yeah,
0: yeah. (laughs) Right, so we've led up to it. Now let's look at the Web of Rankings. So... I've already said that I like this more than any other tangled issue. And the highest tangled issue on our list is number nine, double shot from, Oh, not so long ago. Mm-hmm. And whereas I would put it above that, I'd even go a little higher and easily place it at at least what would be our new number seven spot would be, which would be right above who is that goblin I saw you with. I don't know you have any thoughts in or around that
1: no no i'm i'm right there with you i was you know i i really like that double shot issue i think it's fun it's also a twist ending um but uh you know this one i i feel i feel like it, you're right it might be a, just a an eek above double shot and i'd be comfortable with putting it uh on top of who is that goblin i saw you with um the saga of the third green goblin, Barton Hamilton. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, uh, the new number seven. So while Matt enters that. Uh, Just to remind you, our number one is The Child Within, uh, which is Spectacular Spider-Man number 178 through 184. Our number two is Spider-Man the Manga, uh, issues one through six, or if you want to go the way the manga does it, it's chapters one and two. Uh, Then our number three is Slingers, the entire series. Our number four is Vibes, which is Amazing Spider-Man number 505. And number five is Peter Parker Spider-Man number 22, The Days of Our Lives, which is kind of the death of Sandman and marks the, uh, the end of his, uh, decade and a half long career as a hero. All right so yeah so wow we've got a lot of modern stories uh on our top five maybe we should try to dive in and see if we can find some more like uh early 80s and maybe like some late 70s stuff um child within is i think mid to late 80s if i remember correctly it's like what 86 87 i
0: thought it was like 92 hold on
1: no, 92 was um Soul of the Hunter.
0: 91, sorry. Oh, it was? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, I stand corrected. Maybe it ended 92. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: uh. Well, technically, the Spider manga was in the 70s um yeah it was just imported over here in the late 90s
0: right right um yeah so yeah there's a lot of more 90s but i mean also the majority of our list tends to eek late 80s 90s maybe some 2000s
1: well it's it's where we saw just an explosion of side titles
0: well and as we kind of talked about before there are some side titles but i mean really with the edict of our show we can only go so early Mm mm-hmm (laughs)
1: all right well that that's it for today's episode we'd like to thank to everyone for tuning into the show uh if you'd like to support our show get exclusive reviews of modern spider-man comics commission artwork from spider-man artists past and present as well as access to our members only section in our slack community check out our patreon the amazing spider talk which is only partially our Patreon. We uh we share it with uh, our parent podcast, The Amazing Spider Talk. So that's right. Uh, on top of getting our exclusive content, you'll also be getting their exclusive content. That's two for the price of one. And you just got to be a real villain to pass up a savings like that. Uh, you can check out the show notes for links to that Patreon.
0: All right, Matt.
1: What do we have? Yeah, yeah. Matt, why don't why don't you tell our guests what we got cooked up for them next time? Because we got on our show
0: a very special guest it's true he's very special we have the one the only the dapperest dan gavosden on our podcast here to talk about the grim hunt now you might be thinking what is a major early 2000s event doing on untold talks of spider-man well you're just gonna have to tune in to find out
1: (laughs) Yes, so we'll be talking about the uh, the Grim Hunt, which is Grim. I'm getting the issue number. Oh, <laughs> which is Amazing Spider Man six thirty four through six thirty seven. So, uh, if you're looking to uh, brush up on your
0: Craven esque escapades, if you're craving uh, a good Craven story, oh, God. <laughs>
1: You killed me. I'm dying. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, make sure to also check out that uh, JMD Mateus backup story in those issues showcasing a showdown between Craven and
0: Kane. How'd you do?
1: Uh, uh, you know, I, I came out on top. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, if you'd like to follow the show on social media, you can always follow us on Twitter at untold talks spmn you can find us on facebook at untold talks of spider-man and you can drop us an email at untoldtalksspiderman@gmail.com. man at gmail.com that email inbox has gotten pretty dusty lately so if you guys want to you know drop us an email just to make us feel happy you can tell us you can tell us how much you like the show you can tell us how much you hate the show you can tell us you can tell us that uh you know maybe maybe a book you want us to talk about Oh, uh, you can tell us about your day. You can just tell us anything.
0: All right. Well, we want to extend a special thanks to the Ellie Badge for, for providing our theme song. If you want to listen to more from the Ellie Badge, check out the show notes for links. And until next time, The Untold Talks with Spider Man just wants to ask you in some ways, isn't every Marvel comic a tie in to Secret Wars 2?